What is up, you guys? I hope you have your coffee and you're ready to jump into the Word and just talk to Jesus today. Um, I did want to start today's podcast off just giving a little trigger warning. We are going to be talking about anxiety and depression, and if any of that is something that you struggle with and it's hard for you to hear, please feel free to click off now, but I do, do, do want to encourage you to try to push through this because I really believe that there is some things in scripture that can alleviate and just deliver you from those triggers. So bear with me if you can. So let's just start with my past. Let's talk about that. I mean, we kind of talked about it on the last podcast, but I wanted to touch on the depression and anxiety a little more. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background and then we'll hop right into what the Bible says, what scripture says about anxiety and depression and also some biblical ways to combat that. So I just want to start by saying that my anxiety had started, I mean, I remember my first panic attack was ninth grade high school freshman year and I was convinced I was just, I was having a heart attack and I was dying. And that was the end of it. I was just, I was done. I was gone for, I remember I was in, I think it was biology, some science class. (laughs) Shows how much I paid attention. (laughs) But I was in some science class and I had to tell my mom like, hey, I think I'm dying. So deuces, see you on the other side, love ya. But looking back now, I was just living and I do think it's like a generational thing what we're growing up in today and that the kids are growing up in today that we just live in a world full of sadness and fear and worry and anxiety. And it's not so much that we, we do live in a world that also says mental health is important, be a mental health advocate. But I also want to note that we live in a world where those worries and fears are heightened because that's all we ever talk about and all we ever do. Comparison, it, it provides so much anxiety. The worries that are on the news provide so much anxiety. Politics provides so much anxiety. There's just so much of what ifs or what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this person does this? Why can't I be like that? Why can't I do that? And friends, that was that was my brain. Those were my thoughts. And I'm not saying this to compare us. I, I don't like talking about the worldly things of today on the news or anything like that, but that was my thoughts. I could listen to any type of podcast or TV show or the news channel and just think like, what if that happened to me? What if this happened to me? So I was already falling down that tunnel of constant fear, worry, and anxiety. And on top of that, like we talked about in the last podcast, I was living a life full of sin. So then I have that anxiety as well of, oh, I'm doing wrong. I know what's right. I want to be a Christian. I love Jesus, but this is so fun. But then the next day, oh, this is so sad. This is so hard. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, no one's going to love me. Oh, I can't forgive myself. No one can forgive me. And it was spiral thought after thought after thought of how terrible of a human I am and how I'm too far gone and how this and that and this and that, which, you know, ultimately turned into sadness, great, deep despair, just constant weeping and no joy was in me. I just, I couldn't find it in me to have joy. And I remember that one night I, I just thought, and this, this is really hard to admit and to say and for people to hear, but there was one night that I just thought like, man, I want to feel something. I feel, I, I saw doctors, I got medication, I seeked the world to heal me 
instead of the ultimate healer. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I was seeking the world and got this medication and got these doctors and saw this therapist and did this and did this. But it's still, I was, I was numb. I was sad. I was emotionally numb. I didn't care about anything. And so finally I had to, you know, reach out to a friend because there was one night where I thought, you know, I, I can't feel happy. I can't feel sad anymore. I I feel nothing. I can't even cry when I want to cry. I can't even watch a sad movie and cry when a character dies because I feel nothing. And there was a point where I thought harming myself and just feeling hurt would be the best way to finally feel something. Oh, at least I can feel pain. At least I can feel something. At least I know that there's some emotion in there. And friends, I'm telling you today, if that is something that you are struggling with, please reach out to someone, reach out to a friend, reach out to a stranger, reach out to really anyone that you possibly can. And with that being said, I just wanted to throw this in there that if you are struggling or you just need to talk to someone, you can call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 or you can text them also at 988. But friends, I just want to let you know, um, we also have a hotline daily where we can pray to the ultimate healer of the world. And let me tell you, I just want everyone that listens to this to be able to know that I was the person that was like, okay, I get it. You're telling me to pray. I get it. Don't you think I've done that? Don't you think I've been there? Don't you think I've prayed? Don't you think I've been to church? Don't you think I've asked for help? Well, nothing's working. And that was me. I'm being completely honest. That was me. But... I wasn't actually trusting that God could fix it. I was still just thinking, okay, I'll pray, but I know that nothing's actually going to happen. I've never seen a miracle, so that can't happen. And I just kept trusting in myself or worldly things like medication or a doctor or, you know, whatever it was that I was doctoring my sin, my sadness with at that time whatever it was that I was leaning on. Was I leaning on friends too much? Was I leaning on my roommate, Elizabeth, too much? Was I leaning on them to give me happiness? Did I want a boy to make me happy? And also, I mean, I was, that's the truth. But I just want to say, we have this hotline where you can pray to Jesus, the healer, the ultimate physician. You can pray to him and ask him to be there with you. And he always is. You're never alone. I remember... I heard someone sometime and I really, I don't remember the pastor's name, so I won't quote too much of it, but this has always been something that I have done. He said, when I am in my hardest times, when I can't fathom, you know, just making it any further, he would sit, lean back and just picture him in that hard, tough spot with Jesus next to him, hugging him, just saying, Hey, I'm here. Why can't you hear me? Why won't you listen to me? Hey, no, I, I'm so, you're breaking my heart. I made you this way. I made you to be loud. I made you to make silly jokes. I made you to be emotional. I made you to be a lot. I made you to be extra. Why do you hate that about yourself? Why are you so sad? That's how I want you to be. I created you that way. And friends, he did. He's up there his heart is breaking watching yours break. His heart is breaking 
watching you sit in sadness and worry when you could live in peace and joy and happiness with him. And it took me so long, so long to even comprehend what that meant. And while we're on the topic of faith and just trusting him, I wanted to jump into Job really quick. I had never read the book of Job in the Bible, and if you have your Bible, you can open it up. I'm just going to be doing a little blanket summary of the whole chapter of Job. I just recently read it and started digging into it, Um, but it really just talks about Job's faith. And if you don't know anything about it, let's just, a little background is God and Satan. They're talking to each other. There's a lot more to this. Please go read it for yourself. It's worth it. But God and Satan, you know, they're just chatting in heaven. And the Lord finally, he just says to Satan, he says, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. That's Job 1.8. And what's happening here is Satan has been wandering the earth, you know, trying to find just some ruckus to stir up. (laughs) I sound like my grandma. But really, he's just trying to find someone to tempt, someone to, you know, see if he can turn them away from their faith. That's, That's his goal. I mean, he is the enemy. And Satan answers the Lord and says, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. So what Satan's saying here is, yeah, you've given him everything. That's why he trusts you. He hasn't had a hard life. He has a family. He has all of his animals. He has his flocks of sheep. He has land. That's why he loves you, Jesus. You've never given him a hard time. And it goes on to say, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So what basically the Lord is saying here is, okay, fine. If you think that he's going to turn away just because you take away his possessions, try it. See what happens. But I know he won't because I know Job is faithful. So what does Satan do? Satan goes and just, he destroys everything that Job has. He, I'll go ahead and read you. This is still in Job 1. And he says, Job 1 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the beans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported. The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. The man was struggling, y'all. He tore his robe and shaved his head. He was struggling. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. And that concludes chapter one. But you guys, did you hear what just happened? Let me recap that for you. He was just 
hanging out. And all these messengers come and tell him, hey, uh, the donkeys were grazing nearby and now they're gone. And also the oxen, yeah, they're gone too. Oh, and just so you know, your sheep are gone too. And all of your like hundreds of servants, those are also gone as well. And your land, yeah, destroyed. Oh, and all of your children, every single one of your children, dead, gone. Could you imagine? I mean, no wonder the man tore his rope and shaved his head. I mean, come on, people. That is intense. And I know me, I would have been like, why? Why me, God? Why did you do this? I, I'm just, that's my sinful nature. I would have just been crushed if that happened to me. Of course, I would have had to fight some battles and some demons with that. But what did Job do? Job immediately fell to the ground and worshiped saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came, naked I will leave. So as you can imagine, Satan is like, whoa, that's not what was supposed to happen, God. Like I thought, you know, something would go bad here. I I didn't think that he would actually trust you. So the Lord said to Satan, this is in chapter two, verse three, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on this earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. So what does the Lord say? The Lord says in verse 6, Very well, the Lord told Satan. He is in your power. Only spare his life. So you can you can go for it, Satan. You can ail, give him all the ailments. Give him all the sickness. Spare his life. Don't kill him, please. But give him the ailments and then see what happens. So it goes on for a while. Job, you know, he ends up with these sores on his body and these ailments. And it's just terrible. He really can't. So his friends, they come and visit. And so we've got these three friends. I'm going to skip through this part a little bit. That is not to say that it is any less important than what we just read. But Job speaks to these three guys and they sit around for a while. I'm turning my, you can probably hear me, turning my pages in my Bible because this, it's a lot of talking. But they go on and they're just arguing, arguing with Job. Like, hey man, why don't you just curse God? Why don't you just like, like this is him. And they're also trying to convince him, well, Job, Maybe it's because of what you did wrong. Maybe you should just repent because people who do wrong get wrong things and people who do good get great things. So you must have done something wrong. Go ahead and repent for that. You must have done something wrong. And Job is sitting there like, I, I don't I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think I did anything wrong. But as we keep going towards the end, you see Job is like, well, I don't think so. I don't. But he lets them get to his head pretty much in this book. He's just letting his friends get to him instead of still relying on the Lord. Finally, Job decides that, okay, well, I guess like if, if he was here, if he would just listen to me, he could just tell me what was wrong. He could just tell me what I did wrong and I would repent and it would be better. And the Lord speaks to Job and he reminds him how little Job knows about creation. He jumps in and tells Job like, hey, um, get ready to answer me like a man. He says that in Job 38, three, get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who fixed the dimensions. Certainly, you know, who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundation or who laid its cornerstones? So he's basically, I mean, this goes on for a couple chapters of the Lord just speaking to Job 
kind of like, hey, if you think that you are the righteous one, if you think that you know better than I do, or I'm not listening to you, if you think you know why something's happening to you, please like inform me. But you weren't there at creation. You don't know all of these things. You don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. Because honestly, you guys, Job doesn't know that the Lord has actually said, Job is one of my strongest men. Job's faith will not waver. Satan tempts him because I know his faith won't waver. So the Lord answers Job and, you know, it's like, hey, argue with me. Give me an answer. And Job says to him, Lord, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? This is in Job 40 verse 3. So Job recognizes it. And you guys, I just want to tell you, going through all of this and reading through, it continues for a while of the Lord and Job going back and forth on this. And it goes into Job replying to the Lord in verse 40, I mean, sorry, chapter 42, verse 3, he says, You asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. When I question you, you will warn me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and I am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. So Job is recognizing like, wow, I am not holy. I am not righteous. I do not know everything. And sometimes you guys, this is where I find myself being a Job. I think, okay, so God can give me these good things and then I think, like, where are you? Hey, what are you going to do? Just like his friend said, sometimes we think, okay, I'm doing my good works. I'm being good. So I'm getting good things. But when we're in these pits of despair and depression and anxiety, it's like, hey, I'm still doing good things. Why am I here? And Job didn't even know, hey, Satan is trusting that you are going to fail. And the Lord is trusting that you are going to persevere and you are going to lean on him. And all in all, we don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. And I can tell you from a personal perspective, when you become a Christian, I will be the first to tell you, be truthful and honest. It doesn't mean life is perfect from here on out. It doesn't mean that no problems are going to occur. What it does mean is when it occurs, when problems happen, we have a perfect Jesus to lean on. We have a perfect healer, savior, savior, physician, doctor. You know, all of these things, we have that once we are saved. So I just want you to encourage you guys, go read all of Job. And if you're like me and like history, theology, digging deep into this Old Testament stuff can be confusing. So I encourage you to use your resources, the Blue Letter Bible, there's apps, there's Google, like just do some research. Make sure that it's reputable sources, you know, that are preaching scripture and big biblical practices. But That's how I learned, and I encourage you to read Job because this great of faith is just, it's out of this world. It's insane to me. Lost his kids, got sick, lost his family, lost everything. At one point, you guys, his wife even says, hello, could you please just curse God and die? Like, can you please just get over it and just die? This is terrible. His wife is basically telling him like, hey, give up. I mean, come on, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Like, why why do you have to go through this? Just curse God and die. Give up. That's in Job chapter 2 verse 9, which is just crazy. And the Lord still trusted him. The Lord was still faithful. Job just didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. So I want to encourage you guys today, if you go and read Job and just think about faith. 
And that is all tying into the depression and anxiety because honestly, when you're depressed or anxious, you know, speaking from experience, faith is hard. Trusting is hard. Thinking that there's going to be another side to it is difficult. It's just not fun. But when you are rooted in the Lord and you have your faith, you can trust that there's someone there on your side. I also encourage you to go back and do like I said earlier and just sit back and picture the Lord, you know, just his hand on your head, his hand on your shoulders, his arms around you, hugging you, saying things like, hey, I, I made you like this. I love you like this. I want you to be happy. You're not too much. You're not overbearing. You're not too loud. You're not too, I don't know, you're not telling too many funny jokes. I struggle with that, like being too loud or being too much for people. But the Lord is saying, no, I made you that way. I made you that way so that you could share the gospel and speak to others. So I just want to encourage you guys today, lay your burdens down at the foot of the cross. Lay them down. So just first start, repent, lay these things down and be like, Lord, anxiety, you can have it. I'm laying this down. It can go back to hell right where it came from. Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You're gone. Lay your burdens down. Depression, that is not of me. I do not have depression. Don't claim those names over yourself. Don't say, I am so anxious because then you're just claiming it. Don't claim that. You don't need that. Nobody needs that on their shoulders. That was me. I would be like, yeah, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm boring. I'm lonely. But all I was doing was claiming those things. So I encourage you guys, don't claim it. Don't take that. Give that back to the devil. Send it back where it goes. Realize you're not alone and that he is always with you. Lay those burdens down. And honestly, something that I have to remember too is it is not the lack of the Lord wanting to be there for you. A lot of times it's a lack of you seeking him. I am so sorry if you heard that. There is an ice cream truck. I'm on the beach and ice cream truck just drove by and I'm not smart enough to know how to edit these yet. So you're just going to get the ice cream trucks when you hear them. <laughs> but anyways, I just need us to know that it wasn't lack of him. It was lack of me seeking him. It may be the lack of you surrendering, giving up, saying, God, I need help. Relinquish that control. You don't have to be in control of everything. I mean, you don't have to know what time something is going to happen. You don't have to know when you're going to go here next. You don't have to know what the plan is for your life. Just trust that God has it under control. Whatever happens, it's going to happen anyways. Trust in the Lord and just know that you are never alone in that. I do think it's important too to remember in John 16:33 it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have already overcome the world. What sweet peace and goodness. I mean, if you are sad right now, just knowing that there is someone that died for you. I mean, honestly, that was something else, you guys, that I hope that someone can relate to this, but I would sit and be like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for me. Cool. Easter, sick. Bunnies, uh, <laughs> eggs. Cool. Easter egg hunt. Jesus died on the cross for me. Woo. He rose from the dead. That's sick. But I wasn't actually processing that and thinking about it. Someone died, died for the things that I do wrong. Someone sent their son to die for what I do wrong. And looking at that now, I mean, you guys, 
I, I really just want you to stop and think about it. So lean back, sip your coffee. You should be almost done with it by now. I've been talking for a while. But just lean back and think. Someone sent their son, so this fully perfect, fully God, fully human man, on a cross, nails in his hand, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns, people yelling curses at him, people screaming at him, taking his clothes, doing I mean, only Lord knows all these crazy things that people were thinking and doing to him for you and for me. How wild is that? So why do I live in sin every day deliberately? Why do I choose to be sad? Why do I choose anxiety when someone died to relieve me of that, to deliver me from that? So I encourage you, rest on that today. If there is anything you take from this, no, someone died for you so that you could see this eternal joy instead of just fleeting happiness. You deserve eternal joy. You deserve to be happy all the time. You deserve to know that your body is perfect the way that it is, that your hair, it's fine. Your friends talking about you, oh, wow, God, God loves you. Oh, wow find new friends. Like this is something that the Lord, but surround yourself, put yourself around a good group of people. When you look in the mirror and you see, I mean, I I do this all the time. You see a little extra hip. You see a couple more chins than you want to see. You see an eyebrow that you think is uneven. You see hair that's too curly, too straight. Um, Guys, you might not see the abs that you want to see, or you might see, you know, something that you wish you could cover up. I mean, Everybody does it, but trust in this. The Lord knit you together in your mother's womb and made you exactly who you were meant to be. You're not meant to be anyone else. You're not meant to be him or her. You're not meant to be anyone else. You're meant to be you. That's what the Lord created you to be. So I just want to encourage you in that today. And really, truly, this topic is tough. This topic is hard. Depression, anxiety, it's hard. And I probably didn't touch on as many things as I wanted to today. But if you are struggling or someone you know is struggling, have them message me anonymously. Send me something. Have a friend ask for you. I would love to talk to you guys about this. And I truly believe that there is no greater happiness. I would still be that girl that was stuck in anxiety debilitating, not being able to leave the house anxiety or that girl that was stuck in sadness where I just thought there is no way I can be happy. There's no way I can love my body. There's no way I can love my face. There's no way that I can forgive myself. There's no way that anyone else could love me. I would still be stuck in that if it wasn't for the Lord. And I mean, the easiest step you can take is curiosity. So if you ever have questions or want to talk, want to chat about that, please message me, message my personal page, message Coffee with Creator, just reach out because I'm here to tell you the Lord is ready to welcome you with arms wide open and just give you the biggest hug you could ever receive. So on that note, love you. Thanks for listening. I hope that your coffee is completely empty by now. And I just hope that you really enjoyed having some good coffee with your creator.